0: Good evening, you're listening to The Rhyme, and I'm your host today, John Wood. As well. Today we'll be talking about some of our favourite board games, and I'm joined here this evening with both Chris Ford and Ben Dodson from the UK. Chris, how are things with you? Rather marvellous, thank you, John. How are things with you? Not bad at all, thank you. I am healthy and well again. And you, Ben? I realised yes.
1: that...
0: Oh. I, I, I... Sorry, go on.
2: You can go on, Chris. That's all right. I don't mind waiting.
3: No, it's okay. It doesn't right. matter. I was just going to say that. You know, John said it, good evening, but I usually listen to this when I'm I'm driving to work. You you, you are our main listener, so I yeah. suppose <laughs> as as we should tailor it to you. <laughs> Yeah, I'll this, start the, the next one. Good morning. morning. Yeah. Can, you, can you please can you please do the entire thing as if you were actually talking to me in the future? Because that's basically how it's going to be.
2: <laughs> Good morning, Chris. And today I'm going to tell you about
3: your favorite board game. Yep. watch <laughs> out for that pedestrian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, to sorry, you... I, I I ruined the flow. I
2: apologise. That's all right. To answer I am I'm better. I I too was ill uh, this last week. Uh, I couldn't walk for for most of it, oh. and today I have become mobile again. So that's been nice. So yeah, I'm it's good. You've had Pretty rough. It's been pretty bad. I had a, a gout in my ankle. Very oh, bad. oh, nasty! Yeah. And I ordered I ordered a walking stick uh, on like Thursday to come Friday, Amazon Prime, and it didn't turn up till today the because they lost it. <laughs> it's like, well, I can, now walk. Again. Yeah, I can walk now. And on, on the packaging, it says "putting the fun in functional," and I was like, "That's that's not right."
3: I did. I saw that. I saw on Twitter that you had a walking stick, and I I wondered if maybe you like. You just assumed I got mad.
1: <laughs>
3: I just yeah. I just I, I assumed that maybe that um, you were just being eccentric. Actually, <laughs> that
2: was my thought. I love that. That's your first thought. I did yeah. really want like a Lucius Malfoy style cane with a wand sort of embedded in it uh, and then maybe some sort of Bluetooth adapter so that I could, you know, connect it to the internet stuff. But
0: <laughs> You see, I just assumed when I saw Walking Stick that it had either a sword in it or a se- <laughs> secret compartment for whiskey. Nah.
2: Again, that does sound like me and that's probably why I have gout in my ankle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yes, I'm good. Thank you. Brilliant, it's brilliant. So uh, we'll kick off with some follow-up from the last show. I've got a couple of pieces of news to talk about. First off, we discussed this on the last show uh, about error 53, this mm. dilemma with the Apple phones where taking your phone to an uh, authorised retailer would end up with being... I'm going to put quotes around it, even though you can't see them, bricked, because uh, the update since the last show is that Apple have now released an update to get around the error. And it is pretty much exactly what Ben suggested they would do, which is they've made it so your phone works again, but if you've had the touch sensor replaced, then it won't let you use that anymore. Thanks, which- Tim, for uh, listening in. And
2: I uh, yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed our phone call afterwards. That was great. The interesting it thing actually about makes it- makes the most sense as well. Yeah, it does. The interesting thing about it, which we didn't mention last week, because I don't think we realized, is also that it was completely blown out of proportion because it only affected people that upgraded to iOS 9 by plugging in their phone into iTunes. Like, it didn't affect it if you did it over the air, like most sane really? people. It only affected people who upgraded via iTunes tethering their phone. So, probably three people, but you know how <laughs> no, I, the internet I loves to Windows argue.
3: Windows well, you're one of those people. <laughs> and don't they recommend that you upgrade your phone using iTunes? No. Not since like iOS six. It's yeah, yeah. because it's like a phenomenally large file. When uh, only when it
2: went from seven to eight, seven to eight they did because yeah. people had no space. But not nowadays. Mm. They fix all right. that. It's
0: only like you
3: your internet connection, Chris. Yeah, I don't. Care. <laughs> I'm gonna always update through iTunes. That's how I roll.
0: <laughs> Whether it'll brick my phone or not, screw you.
3: Yeah, it won't brick my phone because I haven't even got a Touch ID sensor in <laughs> that, That's why your Bluetooth's broken. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah it's true oh, but probably
2: but don't get me started uh, on that
3: so it's, it's, it's a this is the the follow-up every week isn't it my bluetooth still doesn't work properly the jj abrams
0: uh, of bluetooth Ah, oh, i knew i knew that name was <laughs> soon uh, after
3: <laughs> i haven't mentioned him at all in the last couple of episodes
0: no it has been ben ben just can't yeah. let go
3: i can't resist so, um, if Shockers. you want yes, to know what we're talking about, please feel free to go into iTunes and see episode. I don't know because 1-3-7. my Google Docs... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Episode, four was,
2: uh, episode four was the Star Wars one.
3: Was it that really long. that long that was
2: ago? A
0: long time ago. Wow. So. We've done a lot of shows. This is pretty cool. So yeah, I think uh, I think that's a good a good solution from Apple, and it sounded like it wasn't necessarily even intentional because they said that it was kind of. Left over from when factory resets happened, and it's not really intended to to brick a live phone. So, I mean, at least they've done right anyway. They put the put the thing right. So, uh, next up, I was just going to do a, a little update on one of my favourite games of late, which is XCOM Two. Uh, I think I'm probably about halfway through the campaign now. It's kind of hard to tell because the the game doesn't have a definitive timeline i'm starting to unlock some cool technology which is making me feel a little bit less vulnerable when i go into the tactical matches now uh, although as with any game like this the more power you get the more power they get but still you start to feel badass regardless um it's good i don't want to go too much into it because it's just a follow-up but i think uh, i'm starting to appreciate the strategic layer a bit more now it's starting to make a little bit of sense and
2: I need to download it. I've still not tried it because I originally thought it was going to be one of those games that shit me up with stuff jumping out at me. So I completely <laughs> discounted <laughs> it whenever you mentioned it. And that was purely based on the artwork for it on Steam. I was like, nope, not for me. Uh, uh, but yeah, since, you, since you mentioned it, it's like, oh, no, it's a nice like real-time strategy. It's like, oh, okay, um, I should probably get that. So it's, it's on my list of list of games to play.
0: It's nice. It's, it's got a bit more in-depth kind of strategy layer between the, the battles. I don't know if it... How much of it actually matters <laughs> but it feels like it does you know like i'm not sure if it's a bit like a telltale game where it doesn't really matter what you do you end up in the same place um but then the battles, uh the top tactical combat is it just feels for me at least really, like improved over the first there's more to do they've made a few improvements so you don't feel quite so sort of cheated um, and yeah it's good and it's got a multiplayer mode i think it's just like a you pick an army and do one one skirmishes and things but you know something that could be entertaining well that's me really that's just a quick update from our xcom i'm I'm sure there'll be one more when i finish it (laughs) (laughs) never so
2: um, i had uh, a couple bits just from last week um, because we had the uh, kickstarter Mm. Uh, podcast last week, Uh, and I have funded two, (laughs) despite my fact that I said I would never fund video games on Kickstarter, I have funded (laughs) two this week Uh, probably the gout did that to me I was like, I can't move, I'm enjoying these small games on Steam, right I know, I'll buy some more Uh, so the first one is a game called A Place for the Unwilling, uh, and I'll put links for these in the show notes Um, but uh, it's a really nice looking uh, adventure game um, they say it's an open world inspired by Majora's Mask and Sunless Sea. Uh and from the little sort of uh, preview I saw of it, it looks really nice. It's kind of got a machinarium look about it in that it's sort of all hand drawn. Looks really nice. Uh and they're halfway to their goal in the first nine days. They only want twenty thousand euros. Um they've got almost eleven thousand, so that should complete I think. Um so check that out. Um, and then funny enough they posted an update uh, and at the bottom of it they recommend some of the games that they like on kickstarter and so i found another one called pinstripe an adventure through hell uh, which <laughs> is a bizarre and beautiful 2d adventure about a minister in hell made by a one-man team uh, uh-huh. and this is like it's incredible i watched the video and it's the best pitch video i've ever seen uh it's basically one guy who's incredibly humble and seems really nice Uh, and he's done all of the development artwork music everything (laughs) all himself and he's not hiring any more developers or anything like that he's still doing it all himself with the money he gets Uh, and he reckons it's going to be finished by uh, I think it's like August or something this year because it's practically done he just wants to not have to freelance for the next six months just to finish it off Uh, it's (laughs) incredible it's a a real testament to what you can do with one person um mm. sort of the complete opposite of most kickstarters where they get funded they try and make too much and then they fail um really really interesting so check that one out as well
0: and so, i see they've already made uh sixty thousand thousand dollars
2: yeah he's already hit his goal and the funny thing is he's not adding anything extra that's the, that's the great bit about it <laughs> it's like oh um the sixty thousand uh, dollars meant he got voice acting was like his stretch goal, and he's got one for seventy five thousand dollars where he'll add a mobile version, but that'll be released after the Steam version and won't be included um, in any of the rewards. It's just so literally. It's, yeah, it could yeah, yeah. Really right. interesting, and I will make that. Uh, but that's definitely, definitely one picture you won't get. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It looks really good. Like, yeah, highly uh,
0: recommended. Uh, yeah. it looks like a colorful limbo. Yeah, um, exactly. Visual stuff, but it looks, like yeah, um, exactly. it looks it really good. The, so, the video
2: is really good. I'd thoroughly mm-hmm. recommend everyone watch the video at least, just because it. Uh, mm-hmm It's really nicely put together uh, and shows a lot about the guy as well, which I I find the more interesting part of it, to be honest. I mean, the game looks great, but I really like the the story behind it.
0: Cool. So that's Pinstripe on Kickstarter. Great. Well,
3: um, obviously, also last week uh, on our last episode on Kickstarter, we were talking about Cage Match. The world's oh. first. <laughs> I tell you the what, the cage match has caused Nicholas problems. Cage-based dating website. <laughs> I mentioned it to uh, my. Um... I'm sorry to say that that uh, doesn't appear to have gained any more backing since we oh. recorded that episode. It's a shame. Um, they are fa- fairly heavily um, um, under target. I think uh, with about f- just over five percent funded, and yet. <laughs> That still means that they've managed to get over £1,100. That's because one
2: person bought the £1,000 package presumably on the basis that it isn't going to fund.
3: Yes. I think. That's very true actually. like that. Yes, there is a £1,000 backer. You're absolutely
2: yeah. right. Funnily enough, I started watching more Nicolas Cage films purely based on that. So it's got me back into Nicolas Cage. We watched The Rock at the weekend. Um, oh, really? And we've got Gone in 60 seconds, um, face off, uh, and then (laughs) The Sorcerer's Apprentice, (laughs) downloaded (laughs) and ready to go. Oh, Oh, (laughs) love some Nicolas Cage films. Doesn't he? It really struck me. He sounds like Ross from Friends, but he looks like Wallowitz from Big Bang Theory. (laughs) He's like like Nicolas Cage? Yeah, he's an unholy love child of David Schwimmer and the guy that plays Wallowitz. Whose name eludes me right now?
3: Interesting theory. Yep. We'll see. We'll see how this pans. This theory pans out as we have a chance <laughs> to mull over it. You, the person who pledged a thousand pounds, do you know what they get as their reward?
2: I can't they remember get,
3: now. It's the guy. The guy who wants to set up the website will personally <laughs> come and visit and bring his copy of Con Air on DVD, <laughs> and they can watch it together.
2: Uh, oh, that sounds amazing.
3: <laughs> yeah, does sound amazing. So actually, yeah, they've got 24 backers totaling £171 and one nutter with a thousand <laughs> pounds, So it's, it's, a, it's almost a shame that this website won't be made because I've been telling everyone about it. Um, I think it sounds superb, but uh, not that I'm going to waste my money on it.
0: <laughs> you just want to see it exist, that's all.
3: I just want to see it exist, so that I can, I can, I can be happy to know that it's there. Um, there is also uh, another piece of follow-up from our last episode. I went to see Deadpool at the weekend.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, not even at the weekend; it was last week. I saw it on, like, possibly even opening day. Have either of you seen it?
0: Not yet. No, I really want to, but I haven't. Yeah, I also want was- to see it, but I haven't.
3: It was brilliant. It was really good. Like, uh, it's so you know, there's so much controversy, or rather not even controversy, when the trailer came out um, it really split the audience Um, I saw the trailer and I thought it looked absolutely superb um, as it turned out that it was, but um, there was an awful lot of hatred out there for the trailer, saying it looks rubbish it looks like a cash-in, blah 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 this that Who would have thought there'd be hatred on um, the internet? (laughs) Well, quite, quite, but people were quite vocal about it. It was really good, poked fun at itself an awful lot um like even in in just in the the opening credit scene you um like it shows inside Deadpool's wallet and there's a picture of green lantern in there which was hilarious <laughs> um and yeah no it's, it's a lot of fun the only thing I didn't like about it that much was uh Colossus from the mm. x-Men um I thought he was very boring and that's interesting because it's um it was a much more accurate portrayal of Colossus from the comics than they've ever done in the movies before uh, in fact I would say that it was absolutely perfect um, and yet he was, in, he was an incredibly dull character so that says a lot about Colossus I guess
0: I've never really been that drawn to Colossus he, he's just the, the big metal Russian there
3: that... I suppose, I mean yeah, yeah. They, the, um, the other character was the negasonic teenage warhead which was basically just a, a grumpy teenage girl who could explode which was quite funny <laughs> as well um yeah, no it was it was good. Definitely go and see it. Uh, highly recommend.
0: Just one question. Um, yeah. what was the my, my main concern with it is that it was
3: gonna kind of break the fourth wall a bit too often. It does. It does. It's you know, there's a great laugh. Does it work? There. Yes, it works really well. Like um Deadpool goes to the X Men mansion and um like Colossus Colossus says, "Ah, oh, go on, w- uh, we'll go and see the professor and he just says, Ah, no, is that Stuart or McAvoy? <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's really well and he goes hmm it's funny i this mansion's so big and yet i only ever see two x-men it's almost like the studio couldn't afford more." <laughs> it was really good it works really 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 well yeah well, very so, good definitely recommend I do,
2: I do have one more bit of follow-up i know i didn't put it in the list uh follow it and it's from this show uh the star wars show was episode five ah
0: good, good research i okay. approve good. yeah good yep. good Cool. It's so, research
3: is uh... checking facts, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Follow up fact checking. Yeah.
0: Like it. So, let's move on to some cool news. Ben, I see you have a piece of cool news on the list.
2: Uh, yeah, there's a new game coming out um, as we record. It's tomorrow. So, by the time this show goes out, uh, it will be available. It's called Super Hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this was developed at like a seven day first person shooter hackathon like three or four years ago, I believe. Uh, and it's then it got put on, I think, Steam Greenlight, and then Kickstarter, and now it's finally ready to go. Um, and it's a really interesting idea. It's a, a very uh, sort of artsy first-person shooter. I mean, everything's sort of white, and then you've got a few people in red, basically. Um, but time only progresses when you move. So if you, like, shoot at someone then nothing will happen until you start walking and then time will progress as much as you move. Ah. Um, and so you go through it, and I saw a, a video of the endless mode of it yesterday where you basically you, you perform like all of these actions in like slow motion, essentially, because you aim at someone's shoot. And then as you move, there's other people moving in around you, kind of like the uh, um, Weeping Angels in Doctor Who. And mm-hmm. people will creep up on you just because you haven't seen them yet because it's not movement happening in real time. So you can't hear them or anything. And then when you finally die, you get playback of everything you did, but in real time. So you just look like a total badass because you're <laughs> like just turning around and hitting things without even looking, really, because, of course, you've had loads of time to look around and shoot at stuff. Looks really interesting. I'm, I'm, I don't know how much it costs, and I don't know how good it'll be as sort of like a full game. I'm assuming it's going to be around like a $15 mm. kind of price point, I'm guessing, because I think it's probably going to be one of those things you play a few times and go, well, that's a really cool concept, but not anything much more than that. Um, but it's definitely on my wish list, so uh, probably worth checking out.
0: Yeah, hey, it looks playing...
2: interesting. The graphics
3: are odd. Yeah, it's very uh, artsy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it I looks a little bit it. like 90s virtual reality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, about two years ago, they put a version up on their website. I think it was just like the the whatever fallout from the hackathon where they had a flash version on the website and it's really fun but like you say i'm not sure it'll probably be one of those novelty things where you buy it and play it for a few hours and go that's cool and that's it
2: <laughs> it seems to have like a nice editing mode like when you finish you can like edit in real time the video of your previous run and stuff and then upload it directly from the app which looks quite nice but again it's probably limited really but uh, could be fun
1: yeah.
2: Uh, and the other piece of um, cool news I had, also computer game related, uh, is that the HTC Vive, uh, the other um, 3D headset, because uh, we've got the Oculus Rift, which we discussed a few shows back. Um, and then the Sony one's coming out soon. Uh, But the HTC Vive was finally uh, announced with a release date of April, a price of $800, putting it $200 above the Rift. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it does have virtual reality controllers, uh, so the Rift just comes with an Xbox One controller, and while they do have some fancy controllers built just for VR, uh, they're not ready or included. Uh, The HTC Vive has those. Um, It'll be interesting to see again i think the price is probably very high for most people and then obviously you're going to need a very good computer to power it um allegedly uh from the reviews i've seen uh the vive has better uh field of vision although it's the same resolution it's a bit more the screen bends a bit more and you don't have black sort of plastic at the sides yeah uh, but it's not as comfortable it's much heavier than the rift and it doesn't have audio built into it either so mm-hmm. it's substantially heavier for less uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out um, when it actually goes on sale. Uh, but interesting nonetheless. I
0: it's would definitely... really like to try it out, but again, 800 bucks, I, I think.
2: That's not trying out price. That's... No.
0: <laughs> I need to know that I'm going to, even at the Oculus Rift price, so Like, I need to know that I'm going to actually use this thing. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. I don't mind paying that if I end up using it, but if I pay that, play one evening of Elite and get that's cool put it on the shelf and never touch it. That's that's not a good use of uh, $600. No. I'm very
2: tempted with one because I can plug it into my uh, Parrot Bebop drone. Uh, and mm. then you can do, like, as you fly the drone around, you can pretend you're flying. And I said, uh, I said to my wife earlier, oh, I really want to get that controller so I can do it. And she's like, you sound so stupid saying VR goggles. It's not flying if it's VR goggles. I was like, don't try and limit a man's want to fly, and she's like, <laughs> it's not flying, it's VR goggles. You just it set, is set flying. It's flying, man. It's Come flying, on. it's flying a drone.
0: But uh, yeah, so that looks cool. I'm gonna still debating which one to get, but yeah, I think one will end up on my, my desk at some point soon. So yeah. uh, Are there any I'm, more the, coming, or is this
2: is this? It? Yeah, there's the Sony one coming, which is more for the right. PlayStation 4, I believe. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm dubious about that, because I don't think the PlayStation 4 has the power to do that Um, also the resolution is much less on the playstation one it's just 1080p uh, whereas on the uh, both the vive and the uh, oculus rift i believe it's 1440p but slightly wider i think i could be wrong but it's definitely higher than 1080p Um, yeah so they're lowering the resolution uh to power it and i just i'm dubious because i just don't think the playstation Mm. 4 has the when you think the Oculus Rift needs a $900 PC to power it, and the PS4 is right. like $300, 350 Uh yeah. there's obviously a lot of... Uh, the graphics cards in a PC required for an Oculus Rift costs more than the entirety of the PS4. So I I don't think graphically it's going to be as good. But I'm happy to be no, proven wrong.
0: But I think, it, I think they'll probably be going for the... Let's make one that's cheaper. There's a few more fun games. They're not going to look super realistic like they might on the PC. Yeah. But there'll be, like, colourful Mario-like experiences in a headset, I think, instead of hyper-realistic ones like you're trying out on the PC.
2: And I think also there's a a large market for um, watching films in VR Mm. because you can basically have, like, a 150-inch screen or whatever in front of you because, obviously, you're in virtual reality so you can have a massive screen on a wall uh, without actually having a projector and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, And you're not going to need much power to do that, but... uh, We'll see.
0: So, uh, so we have one more piece of news. I'm assuming that Chris put this on the list. It's about... I don't
3: know why you
2: think that. DC Rebirth? No, that's me. Uh, so uh, DC Comics, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> 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 they're doing a crossover would... with uh, Spider-Man and uh, uh, <laughs> Superman. Uh, and they're getting Ben Affleck. And J.J. Abrams is going to direct it. And it's going to be great. Right. It's uh, I'm, a complete I'm, opposite... I'm to the uh, Marvel... Uh, what do they call it? The exp- Not expanded universe. Cinematic, universe. Cinematic universe. There we go.
3: <laughs> close? I'm loving where you're going with that. I think we should do a whole episode where you try and bullshit about comics Think it'd be brilliant.
2: Wolverine <laughs> is made out of uh, adamantite.
3: Oh, close. <laughs> I know it's adamantium. But... Yeah, very good. Um... <laughs> Uh, I, th- I kind of don't want to do my news piece now. I prefer Ben's. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, DC Rebirth is something that has been floating around the internet for a few weeks now, and there's been an awful lot of speculation that DC Comics was going to do yet another reboot. Um, mm. DC Comics, if you're if you're not aware, are quite famous for doing like v- extraordinarily far. Far-reaching, wide-sweeping changes to their continuity. Um, they've done it several times over the last sort of fifty years or uh, plus, um, where they'll just completely rewrite everything in their history and change it again. Um, most recently, they did it in two thousand and twelve, I want to say, um, where they launched what they called the new fifty-two, where they they basically just rewrote or or just removed all of their all of their history and said let's start completely from scratch um which was uh it was it was met with mixed response i actually kind of liked it because it was a good jumping on point but anyway so this rebirth everyone's been saying that it's going to be yet another reboot which there's not i don't know why they would want to do that but um there was an interesting uh video released by jeff johns who is the i think he's He's pretty much in charge of DC, but I think he's like chief creative director or something. But he writes um, regularly on a lot of their um, flagship books like the Justice League. Um, and he's he's quite famous for basically making the Green Lantern franchise what it is today. Um, and he uh, released a video online where he basically said, first of all, no, it's not going to be a reboot. And actually they released a teaser image that just said something like, it was just a picture of a, like a stage curtain and a spotlight that said rebirth. And underneath it said in brackets said, it's not a reboot. And it never <laughs> was going to be. Um, and basically he was talking about the, the, the comic book that made him sort of as, as famous as he is in DC world was called Green Lantern rebirth. And it's mm. where, this is where he basically completely rewrote the, 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 the history of like all of the green lantern core and brought back how Jordan and built up this huge um, like, multi-spectrum um, army thing that they've got going on. Um, I think he might have done the same with The Flash when they brought back Bar- Barry Allen after he'd been dead for about 30 years. Um, <laughs> but those those books were um, fairly seminal in terms of, of the, the comic book history. And anyway, so this rebirth initiative that they're doing is where they've decided that they're going to look at exactly... What made those rebirth, those original rebirth books so good, and what made what made the series so special afterwards? And they're going to do it to every single one of their ongoing titles. Mm. So they're going to have this huge event, which I don't know how long it's going to last. I should imagine it will go on for some time, where they're just going to completely go back to basics on all of their major lines. Uh, I think that's going to start with in May as well. So I'm quite interested to see what they're going to do with that.
0: Sounds quite interesting. Do you
3: know who it's gonna start with? Um I want to say that I do know, but I think I might have forgotten. I think they're gonna uh, I, I think they're actually gonna start with like an eighty page book just called Rebirth. And I think mm. that is gonna kick it off. Cool. And then I think it's gonna spread out into all of their other ones. Um But it looks quite interesting. I quite like, you know, I'm I've been into D C since since the new 52, and I'm sort of quite interested in all of this stuff that they do. So, yeah, their, their their event comics have been quite good of late. So, yeah, looking forward to that.
2: I really enjoy the event comics and the 52. Yes,
3: I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> Just That's remember, really- when you see Deadpool, it, it's a comic book movie.
2: <laughs> I've, I have actually read the uh, Deadpool comics, or at least ah, three really- of them. Three of them. Goodness me. Yep. <laughs> Very good. Because he was a character in uh, Lego Marvel that you could unlock. And I was like, right, why is he so elusive? What's his story? And so I read through them and I was like, oh, I see. Good.
0: I love the way all your, all your leads come from Lego. You're like Basically. basically.
2: That, that's how I know so who I, most of the Batman villains are, because I played Lego <laughs> Batman.
0: So I watched yeah. Ghostbusters recently because of Lego.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that's true, actually. I started rewatching Doctor Who as well,
0: because of Lego <laughs> Dimensions. <laughs> ah, awesome. anyway, but that sounds, that sounds really cool uh, But I think it's time to move on to the main topic of the show Yes, uh, Which is going to be an opportunity for us to dig into our favourite board games And probably share some games that the others haven't heard of So, uh, But I thought we could kick it off just by giving each other a general overview Of the sort of games that we like and play um, Because I know that we all might have very different tastes when it comes to board games So, would you like to start, Ben? Sure,
2: I mean, I used to... Um... A long time ago, uh, when I lived in Coventry, I used to go to a gaming group every Monday, uh, which was a lot of fun. We'd just meet up in a pub um, and then basically have about three hours to play various different games. Um, so people would bring games with them and then you'd basically just sort of like choose what table you wanted to sit at and play all kinds of different stuff. Um, so that way I got to play lots and lots of different stuff. Nowadays, I, I don't do that because um, I, I do things like this podcast um, with my spare time. But I do tend to play much longer games. So I, I regularly go over to some friends' houses on a weekend uh, and we will play a game, which I'm going to mention later on, uh, which takes about eight or nine hours to play a single game of it.
3: Eight or uh, nine hours. a lot hours. of wine. Uh, it <laughs> certainly is a lot of wine, yeah.
2: <laughs> Again, ankle gout. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I tend to not play so many small games, but large ones. I mean, generally, if I'm going to play a game uh, when friends and that come over um i generally play video games anyway uh but if we're going to play something it'll be something small like we discussed last week like um uh cards against humanity or the um exploding kittens game or flux uh stuff like that flux is a good game cause you can play that with anyone um yeah. things like that i tend to play more and more these days but i i generally prefer something that i can get my teeth into a like good You know, six, seven hours of
3: solid game.
0: Nice and meaty. I like it. How about you, Chris? Um,
3: You know, I've only really been into games in the last couple of years since I started watching Tabletop on Geek & Sundry Network. Um, Prior to that, I hadn't really played a proper game since, like, when I was a kid and maybe used to play Warhammer and the classic family Tropes, you know, like um, Monopoly and such. Oh, uh, and I then Monopoly. Uh, I know, oh, God, yeah, I love Monopoly, but I also just despise it. Uh, <laughs> I, I think is really how it. most people feel. I loved
2: it until I broke my finger playing Monopoly. <laughs> oh, go on then. you got to tell that story. I was cheating. Uh, right. <laughs> my friend went to the bathroom and we had like a hatch uh, it'd go through to the kitchen so he'd see me on the way back and I snuck under yeah. the table and put my hand round to grab some of his money uh, but I got my finger caught in the table between like it was like one of those ones that you can pull out um, and it got right. stuck and then as I pulled it out it crack and uh, oh. broke my finger oh.
1: Yeah.
2: and my mum didn't take me to the yeah. hospital she just said that's what happens to cheaters. Good lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Good old
3: man. Oh, dear, dear. And it was it shortly after then that you started hating everything? (laughs) That's an an amazing story. Um, So I can't even work out where my train of thought was going. Sorry. Uh, Tabletop. So I started watching Tabletop, and it was from there that I started to discover sort of more. I don't know, I don't I can't even really say like modern games because it's not as if they're only coming out now, but sort of, you know, the 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 last couple of decades worth of of good stuff as mm-hmm. opposed to the hundred year old games like Monopoly and such. Um obviously I'm more interested in family oriented games, I guess. Um I stuff that I could play with my wife, stuff that she'd be interested in playing. So there's some things that I see on tabletop that I think that looks amazing, and I know instantly that Sophie wouldn't like it, so I know I'll never play it. Yeah. Um, I'm just waiting for Alistair to get old enough that we can play something. Um, probably start him off on Pokemon cards, I would have thought, and then go from there.
0: Oh, yeah.
3: Wean him onto the yeah. hard stuff. Yeah, Magic the Gathering.
0: <laughs> yeah. Someone <laughs> one you can finally beat, at Magic. <laughs> yeah, it, what are you talking about? <laughs> just joking. Uh, yeah. That's really cool, though. So, um, myself, I... I'm going to skip over RPGs because I think they're their own little beast. that It's its own attention. episode, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. There's a lot of RPG stuff to talk about, but um, I guess in terms of card games, just because you finished on that, um, there's one that we've been playing recently that's really cool called Net Runner uh, Android Android Net Runner, like the proper old school Net Runner. Uh, Something it's from the eighties, of the nineties. I think you might be thinking about I think it was called hacker which is a Steve Jackson game uh, and yeah. I guess this has a similar feel but it's definitely more modern this is a FFG game uh, so it's got all the shininess that you expect from a <laughs> uh, ffG produced game but it's um it's asymmetrical which is really nice so whereas in a game like magic you both essentially have similar decks that you're building the same you're building towards a deck but it has the same structure uh, in this game you one person plays the corporation where you have a completely different sort of deck to the hacker uh, and then you switch so you sort of play one round as the defensive corporation and one as the hacker but that's got a lot of traction in the office and it's it's a really nice game that you can just play in maybe sort of 30 minutes or a couple of rounds so you get to play each faction once. Uh, nice. And then you can have something a bit more serious if you've got a few hours to kill where you, you know each play each other once so you can quite easily burn away three hours playing this game. Uh, but no, I really like it, and it's uh, it's not collectible like Magic, so you you would, um, you know what cards you're getting, and your expansion comes out, right, it has exactly yeah. a fixed list of cards, you know what you're buying, there's no random chance, so it's not a money sink. Uh, but I guess that's that's the more sort of, I'm gonna say casual, even though it's not a casual game, it's a very you know, geeky card game, but it's the sort of game that you don't sit down for eight hours with three rolls, of wine, like Ben might do. Yeah. Um, Three? That's only like four hours. (laughs) Right. In a barrel. Heads the ankle, I see. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Otherwise, uh, I do like those games that you sit down and play for six to eight hours, but the reality is that time doesn't give me that many chances to play them. So we're normally playing games that are two or three hours long. But anything from kind of Euro games like Terroristica and Carcassonne, all the way to, I think I, I slightly favor the really thematically cool ones, you know, something with a bit of nice artwork on it. Uh, so something like Rex or even Dust Tactics, which is a fairly fast fired miniature based game set in like futuristic World War 3 ish kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I guess any games really. I like. So I'll play a whole different range of games, but favouring the slightly shorter ones just because of the reality of time. So
3: Yeah, agreed. I mean not that I don't like a long game. Um uh I seem to <laughs> I remember one new year when we just played Risk and uh <laughs> we we I think it was your copy of Risk, John. You had like Risk twenty twenty fifty or something where you had the moon and such. Mm-hmm. And um uh we tried doing like, a shot after every turn. And, and like, just, like, four hours later, everyone's just painfully, painfully sober.
2: I don't like (laughs) drinking games because I don't need a game to get me drunk, personally. I I can quite happily just drink my own. I find that if we're doing a drinking game, I drink less because I have to wait for something stupid to happen in order to drink. (laughs) The only time that has not been true was with a game of Top Trumps. (laughs) <laughs> uh and, you know the game top trumps where you basically yeah. have some cards mm. and it's like a oh, okay say you're doing i don't know uh films from the dc series then you might say okay uh spider-man versus um i don't know uh, uh green lantern or uh did i get this right are they dc Nope. Yes. One of them is. One of them. Right. Okay, good. Then one might have, like, strength 90, and one might have strength 80. And then, you know, you look at them and go, okay, strength I don't think Spider Man and Green Mountain up. are
3: really comparable in strength.
2: Uh, well, whatever. They're, everything's comparable <laughs> in strength and top trumps. But you compare it, and then the one of that has the lo- anyway. lowest score loses. <coughs> the game I came up with was you have to down a glass of red wine every time you lose a card.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which. Oh, um, oh,
2: oh. You, top trumps you often get a losing streak because obviously the person with the uh, upper hand generally keeps it because they choose which card goes next uh, so my friend lost quite considerably with nine losses before i started losing and so... uh, i couldn't understand why he couldn't speak or stand up
0: <laughs> nice
2: So top trumps and glasses of wine that's how you want to do it i, I
0: remember that one for when you visit yeah sweet so um cool i thought we could each just pick one game and talk about it in a bit more detail and then maybe we i know we've probably all got a lot of games we'd like to bring to the table so uh we can rattle through our uh, some of our second or third places after we've each talked about our i'm going to say sort of pick instead of favorite game because it's very hard to pick just one favorite game but the one you want to talk about so uh, I see. I see you want to talk about a game called 1861, Ben. This is what I have not heard about. Oh, oh
2: 1861 is a beauty. So I was introduced to 1861 through my board game group, uh, where basically the older men would congregate in a separate room and play games like Canal Mania, uh, which is a four-hour game, long game about canals. Uh, and eventually, I was invited. Uh, to someone's house for the weekend to play 1861 The Railways of the Russian Empire. Now, this is a, a game which will generally take the novice player eight to nine hours, um, which is a considerable amount of time. Uh, if you have played it before, you can generally whittle that down to six to seven hours. The <laughs> abridged version for seven yeah. hours. The interesting thing about it is uh, that there is only one piece of luck in the entire game. Like most games, there's a lot of luck because you have mm-hmm. random card draws or dice or any other kind of thing. In 1861, there's only one random part, and that is at the very beginning where you choose the order of play. Uh, so you'll pick, from like however many people are playing, so there's four of you playing, you'll pick four cards that'll say one, two, three, four, and then you basically move seats so that you're sat in a clockwise motion, and that's it. And that's the... Uh, order for the first round of bidding. Uh, so the aim of 1861, uh, it, it's obviously for such a long game, a very complex game, so I'll try and whittle it down as much as I can. Uh, but basically you are running a, uh, a Russian railway or a number of railways. Uh, and so you have a board which has all of Russia as it was in 1861. Uh, and you basically need to create track which you'll lay on the board with hexagonal tiles um, and each player will lay track for their own company Uh, and obviously they'll merge and then you'll have points and different turns and things Uh, and then you create your own company Uh, and the aim of the game is to have the most personal amount of money and you do that by investing in stocks and shares in the other players uh, train companies uh, so, you don't necessarily win by having the best run train company. Uh, you quite often win by just investing in people who are playing better than you. Uh, <laughs> I, there's one guy that uh, we play with who basically will create about three or four companies and then just horribly asset strip them after people have started investing in it just so he can <laughs> take all of their money. Uh, so, it's, it's a fun game, uh, but basically, you lay a lot of track. Uh, which you could be quite sneaky in how you do that, because you can block certain routes, like if someone's trying to get into Moscow from um, um, what's the place? Uh, I can't remember the name of any of the places in uh, (laughs) Russia now. From Kiev, if you're trying to get from Moscow to Kiev, someone might block you, Uh, they might veer off to St. Petersburg or something so that you can't get there, and Mm -hmm. various turns happen as the ages roll by, uh, which unveil new pieces of track, like with more points or hubs, Uh, the stations get upgraded you get faster trains that can go longer distances because uh, a large part of it is that you have to run a train from various stations and you get money for each station that you go through that kind of thing mm. uh, which gets very difficult later on because by the end your train can maybe make eight stops uh, but there'll be certain stations you can't go through you can't go back on yourself so depending on how the track is laid out you might have severely stunted yourself uh, and also it's very aggressive in terms of uh, As the ages go through, um, old trains and things uh, basically get removed by the state. Um, And if that happens, then your company just gets bankrupted and bought out. Uh, And then you've got this whole stock market mechanism, which is very complicated. Uh, And then you've got uh, the Russian um, state railway starts up in I think the fourth round of the game, which basically competes with you. Uh, so you slowly get nationalized as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting game. Uh, one of the nice things about it is that you start off so small. At the beginning, you're literally investing in little private railways, and then you start building a little minor company, and then you start trading as a public company with shares and stocks. Uh, and you can choose from a number of different company names. I always like the grand Russian uh, but yeah, it's a really interesting game because uh it's it's got a lot of phases to it it's not just eight hours of the same game you've basically got the very very beginning where it's all you know getting investment starting stuff out then there's a whole track laying part to it, and then you get into a more uh game like stock market series of rounds um and as i say there's there's practically no luck involved at all there's literally just choosing the order of bidding for the minor companies at the beginning, which doesn't really have that much bearing on the rest of the game. So it's a lot of skill involved in it. Uh,
0: Sounds like the uh, sort of game where you can be three hours in and you screw up and you're kind of buggered. And then you
2: sit there for five hours being very annoyed. (laughs) What invariably always happens to my friend Matt, he'll spend... 20 minutes a turn choosing what he's going to do and then as soon as he does it, he'll go, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Which is very funny. Um, But there's a whole series of them. They're called 18XX um, Hmm. uh, because they're all set in the 1800s at some point. Uh, 61 is just my personal favorite Uh, but there's all kinds of this one set in the uk one set in spain Um, i think there's one in america Um, i forget Uh, and they all have slightly different rules Uh, but one of the interesting facts about this one is that originally uh, in the very early development stage it was called 18 me and was set in middle earth Uh, and it was supposed to be a fantasy version which i always thought was quite good because i imagined that you'd uh, i would totally call my train (laughs) Mythrail.
0: So trains in Middle Earth, interesting.
2: I think that'd be great. You know, go from the Shire to Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> One does not simply ride into Mordor. <laughs> but so, uh, um, yeah, so 1861, a great. Game. Oh. But it's uh, it, the best way of describing it really is a, a very advanced ticket to ride. Mm. It's if you took ticket to ride, made it far more complicated, and then added a stock market which basically wants to destroy you, uh, then. That's, how, many, that's how, is, how many players? Uh, I think it's... Uh, I think you can do it with two, but you really wouldn't because it would be very difficult. Um, yeah. Three is the minimum I've played with uh, and the maximum I think is six. Um, I could be wrong on that. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure. Three to six. Cool. Um, and yeah, I, I. it says in the manual six hours, but from experience <laughs> it's more like... Even with people who've played it before, a lot of times you'll still play it in six to seven. With people who haven't played before, it takes about 45 minutes just to explain what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and then numerous points later on to say, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. And now you're not <laughs> going to enjoy the rest of the day.
0: Here, have a drink. <laughs> but you will enjoy six bottles of wine.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, um... uh, it Sounds really cool. I, um, Like I say, the only thing that puts me off is having eight or nine or not having eight or nine hours to spare for a game but i do like, love it when you can just get right into something like
2: this that's true i mean i've not played it for a long time because uh the friends that i play it with they play cricket in the summer um, and now they've started playing golf in the winter uh so actually nailing down a weekend when everyone is free is very difficult i actually have in my calendar i have a game it, it's in my calendar as ben playing his train game
0: uh, 19th
2: <laughs> of march at nine o'clock
0: nice so
2: uh and that's been in there for about a month and a half. So, I'm, I'm yeah. I, I get unduly excited about playing this game. It's a, it's a fun day out for me, which <laughs> says, says a lot, really. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that sounds really cool. Though. So what about my, you? What what games? What, this was, was this was really favorite? hard
0: for me, and um, I'm just, there's still a couple that I really want to talk about, but I think I'm going to talk about a Euro game. Uh, because it's one of the games we've played quite frequently in the office. It nicely fits my you-can-just-drop-it-and-play-it-without-having-to-necessarily-be-there-for-the-whole-campaign, etc. Um, and it's its pretty damn good. I mean, I don't know... I I, won't, I worry it's a tiny bit overrated, because everyone seems to love it. But, uh, but the game I want to talk about is Terra Mystica. Um, now, Terra Mystica is... Uh, I think it's two to five players, but it's, it's it's most fun with four or five. I don't know if it would really work with two. But you know, I guess theoretically it does. Um, but the idea is you each pick a fantasy race and there's a hexagon-based board. And the idea is that you're kind of, I guess, inhabiting this planet and you can terraform it as you go. So um, each race is quite different, which is one of the nice features. So they each have like a sort of land type, which they prefer or they they need to have before they can build on it. So I might be like the weird desert creatures and you might be halflings who like planes. And then there's a process. So you'll have a starting area, like one of the tiles. um, But there's a process for translating tiles into your area, but obviously it costs resources. Uh, Now the whole game plays out over, I think it's six turns, so it's all. you only ever get six turns, which means the game takes, I think it takes about two hours when we play, usually two, two and a half hours. Maybe it's quicker. That's
2: only a three-bottle-of-wine game.
0: Yes, unfortunately so. <laughs> I <laughs> wouldn't be
2: uh, nearly drunk enough to play that.
0: <laughs> there are lots of boxes of wine, I it's, uh, it's not trashy like the UK, when you say a box of wine. <laughs> you do get a large quantity in a box, so... Um, a very, very
2: quick tangent, but I saw the other day uh, Sainsbury's is now selling little plastic glasses that have wine in them <laughs> oh. and they have like a sealed top, like a juice box. And you just peel it off and then you've got a little glass of wine ready to go. I think it's oh, for, like it's taking to places. Sainsbury's have selling those for years. <laughs> yeah, that's. It was a whole new experience for me. I mean, I bought a shit ton of them, but. <laughs> <laughs> now, She's wherever amazing. I am.
0: I have a tiny little glass of wine. Oh, I just next next show you have to tell me that it's in your cane. <laughs> uh, they need
3: to do one of those with a pint. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's a very, very halfling thing to say. It yes. comes in pints. That's a massive cane you've got there. Well, you know, slosh, slosh, slosh. Um, and a the random
2: tangent, I'm sorry to do this, but this is too good to pass up, is that there is a company that makes, like, fat suits for people. Uh, for men, it's like a beer belly, and for women, it's a, a larger bust. Uh, and it basically is empty, and you can fill it with booze, and it has a little straw that comes out of it. And it's designed so you can go to, like, football games or something, uh, and you can just sit with a straw... And basically, drink whatever concoction you've put in your fat suit, and you just look like a fat person, but you're actually full of booze, which is amazing. I keep meaning to do it, but I just can't bring myself to go to a football game. So, <laughs> like,
0: sorry, do go on about your game. So, feel right playing a, a board game about trains wearing one of those suits. Yeah. But yeah, so terrorist <laughs> game is the. I mean, I guess the end of the game is two like, victory points, which is a little bit fluffy but there are many different ways you can do it in it it always feels like a collection of simple mechanics put together but when you bring them all together the whole thing becomes quite complicated but not because of the individual components so um at the beginning of each turn you'll sort of collect your income and then you'll get to take you each take it in turns in in kind of doing certain actions and that might be to transform a piece, like terraform a piece of land, or and or build a dwelling on that land, which is a way that you can kind of. So yeah, so each race has its own special ability, but they also have their own super special ability when you've built your your final building, which is the big building. But it takes a lot of resources and a lot of setup to get that out. Um, so the incentive to build is hopefully that you will ultimately be able to build this kind of temple building, which will then give you your second ability, which will help you get, accrue more victory points quickly. So, um, so there's other reasons for building too, like you might then get more income on future terms, like you might get more money, more power, and more priests, so you can use your abilities. Um, then you can also send one of your priests off to kind of pray for a cult, which is another way of, gathering victory points. I don't, I don't, know I don't the, think
2: that's how cults are formed. I don't think they pray for cults.
0: Please yeah, send me a cult. Get together. Like Ding if dong. You're first, if you're the first to ten, then you get the most points. That's, that's why cults exist, right? Yeah, could be. <laughs> they want the victory points. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, and then there's a whole bunch of like actions on the board that only one person can take each turn. So there's, a, there's always this... Do I want to do that action now? It's not really the right time, but if I don't do it, someone else might take the action off the board that I can't do it until next turn. Um, And then there's a whole different bunch of ways to sort of score victory points. So you might win on the cult board. You might have every turn you pick up a little token, which will give you a specific way of gaining victory points, but you can only hold on to it for one turn. So it might be, yeah, for every dwelling you build this turn, you get two more victory points. And you start to think, hmm, I want to do that. And then each overall turn, i.e., turn that all the players act in, will have its own special set of conditions too. So the conditions get mixed up between different games. But essentially it's a there's a lot of resource management, there's a bit of work and placement, and then there's but again, like eighteen sixty one, there is nothing random in the game. I don't think at all. I mean, apart from the setup where you decide which tokens are in play and what the special effect is for each turn. But once the game is in motion, there is nothing, nothing random. So there's no like, oh, I got screwed over by a dice roll. But yeah, that is Terra Mystica and it's damn
2: good. I don't think I've played it. I think I've seen it, but I don't think I've played it. So uh, I'll give it a try. How many people
0: does it play? Uh, two to five, but I would okay. definitely suggest. I mean, I would suggest three, four, or five. We've never played it; a few than three, but I, I think it'd yeah. be a, bit of a eh, experience. A lot
2: of games don't work with two. I find.
0: No, I mean, I might be wrong, but I, it doesn't feel like you would with two. So, um, but it's very Euro you know, like all the pieces of wooden. It's yeah. like it's almost shiny. For a like, European game, it's, it's actually pretty good looking, but the theme doesn't quite shine through enough for my like to look at it and go "Mm, that's a gorgeous (laughs) (laughs) it's not an ffg game where you you want to put it on your shelf just because it looks gorgeous but it certainly isn't the back it's just a a fairly nice but run of the mill looking but yeah that's Terra mystica and it's definitely worth a a shot if you're into your sort of euro gaming so so how about you chris what's your pick of the board games It's
3: interesting what you were just saying because I look for a game that can be played uh, with two Um, because obviously being parents with a young child, quite a lot of the time we are just in, um, you know, and sometimes we'll play a game when Alistair's in bed. Um, Yeah. And a game that I saw on tabletop and uh, tabletop is like my gateway for most of these games to be honest It's a game that I saw on tabletop and it looked good and I popped down to our local game shop and um, And they had it <clears throat> and unlike a lot of these modern board games It wasn't like 50 or 60 pounds, which is quite an upsetting thing about modern board gaming. I think mm-hmm. um, And it works really beautifully with two and that game is Takanoko mm-hmm. and Takenoko is a uh, is an interesting game. I, I watched the tabletop episode a couple of times, not fully appreciating exactly what was going on, but um, this is basically, the one with
2: the little pandas.
3: It is the one with the little panda, yeah. So you, nobody controls a particular piece. You basically got three different um, three different characters present in the game. You've got the Emperor of Japan, who you don't actually ever see, but you work on his behalf, and you have his gardener and you have a giant Chinese panda that he was given by the emperor of China as a gift. And basically, each of these three characters has a goal that they want to achieve. The emperor of Japan wants to have a beautiful garden. Um, The gardener wants to grow lots of bamboo for the beautiful garden. And the panda wants to eat all of the bamboo. So you basically play the game by deciding at any particular time who you're going to try and complete a goal for and you just draw cards um, so you could draw a card from the from the gardener card and it will tell you a particular combination of bamboo that you need to grow mm-hmm. um, you can draw a panda card it will tell tell you a particular combination of bamboo you need to eat um, and uh, draw an emperor card and it and it tells you um, sort of a different card and layout now you get these hexagonal tiles. Which are in three different colors, and they just represent different parts of the garden. And it's it's a it's a very gorgeous game, and it's it's um, very relaxing to play. And so you just you complete your goals by by building the garden up and growing bamboo, and then eating the bamboo. And and you can be quite strategic because you sometimes um, you've got limitations, like uh, you can only grow four pieces of bamboo on a particular square. Mm. Um, some squares are fertilized, for example, so they they will grow two pieces of bamboo in each turn that they grow bamboo. But maybe you have a card that requires you to grow three. Um, in which case, what you would need to do is you'd need to send a gardener to the tile to grow the bamboo, and then send a panda to the tile to eat a piece, so that you bring it down from four to three. So mm-hmm. it, there's there's room for nice little tactics there. Yeah, but it's it's a very sweet game, and it can be it plays excellently with two people um but it can be played up to four Um, how long does it take to play between 30 and 60 minutes it's fairly quick um i'd say with a with a two-player game it's about 40 minutes probably um and then with a four-player game it just takes a little bit longer but it's basically the it's the first person to complete nine objectives
1: In a two player game,
3: eight objectives in a three player game, and seven objectives in the four player game. So it doesn't, it's got sort of a a limit on how long you can play it for anyway. Yeah. Uh, But it's, um, no, it's really, it's a really good game, really lovely, and um, a lot of fun, a lot of replay value.
0: Hmm, I actually saw it in a bookshop very recently, and I was this close to picking it up. Would you say it's the sort of game that a, a non-board gamer might play? Because I want to attract yeah, yeah, my cause, wife.
3: Cause, so. Yeah, say. Yeah, because Sophie is not really a board gamer, I and mean, we, we play we play Takanoko and we play Ticket to Ride a lot. And the, there's a you know I've got other games that she's not overly interested in in playing. Takanoko is a really good. In fact, the the woman in the game shop that I bought it from. Um, I mentioned, you know, to her, I'm looking for a game that, I, that my wife would enjoy, and she said, "Oh, yeah, it's definitely it's the sort of game that you know your wife would enjoy playing with you." Twister,
2: Twister. Oh. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want to get a divorce, 1861, I can. You, you need a, a very, very patient woman in your life to put up nine hours of train. Um, Just a
0: quick game of Russian trains, if you don't mind,
2: <laughs> with a stock
0: ate- market twist. <laughs> you made me go to the opera last year. I wish. But <laughs> well, that sounds really cool, though. Takano, I need to. And I think I might actually, after the show, go and purchase that.
3: Yeah, of- you'll, and you'll enjoy it as well. I think. I think you would enjoy. It's one
2: I've seen and keen to play as well. So I think um, you've convinced us. You win this round, Chris. <laughs>
3: ah, <laughs> yes, you win this. and to keep it two all over again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great board game Dungeon Keeper 2
0: I, I've been thinking about how you would board game that sort of thing actually I've actually written a bunch of notes down So uh...
3: You could do it like um, like Warhammer Quest where you're just drawing room tiles mm.
0: One character
2: uh, sorry one player would always have to be the announcer though whose job <laughs> is purely yeah. just to pick up <laughs> random cards and say things like It is payday <laughs> Jetpod
0: winner yeah. <laughs> that'd be awesome uh, yeah. but uh right now we could spend all night talking about board games but I think it's a shame to only each talk about one so maybe we can just whip through a few that we didn't choose as our one and uh, say what other things we are playing or would love to play at the moment mm. uh
2: sure um well I have a couple um citadels is one of my favorite games to play um that's an ffg and you basically uh every round there is sort of a, a various different characters you can play as like an architect or a wizard or so forth and the aim is to basically build a, a city um, and that's really fun i won't go into the mechanics of it in too much detail but citadels is a really fun game to play with a small group of people um, lots of variety and uh, fun to be had uh, and well, it's Carcass- primarily, a,
0: primarily a card game right
2: yeah it's, it's entirely a card game um, but it's not a card game like uh, Magic or anything like that, it's you know set number of cards um, but with different uh, skills that you get different classes of character that are there uh, and there's all kinds of different things that you can do in, in it. I generally just recommend that people search for it and look at it, great game uh, and the other one is Carcassonne which is uh, a, a good one to play with non-gamers um, mm. that's a, a fun one uh, and again it's very European with little wooden pieces <laughs> Um, that everyone looks at now um, and quick mention to Ticket to Ride as Chris mentioned, it's a great game really good, sort of 1861 light uh, and uh, Lord of the Rings oh, super super light I think <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's 1861 without the stock market Russia or any of the tedious <laughs> gameplay uh, <laughs> Uh, Lord of the Rings the card game is very good and a fun game that you can actually play by yourself if you're very lonely, which you obviously are if you've bought Lord of the Rings the card game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the final one was uh, A Game of Thrones the board game which um, I had never read Game of... no, sorry I had read I think about half of the first book uh, of A Game of Thrones when I played it, by I hadn't seen the TV it's About 9,000 pages, eh? yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I'd read a bit of it Um and then I started playing this game with two other guys, and, and to be honest they were being dicks about it. They were like oh yeah, yeah. you won't win the first time you play it because it's very complex and uh, there's a lot there, and obviously you don't know any of the stories so it's going to be really difficult for you, blah 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 mm-hmm. uh, And I played as the Lannister family, and I decisively won um, Right and- in your element there Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lannister's pretty much my wheelhouse, <laughs> let's, let's be honest, Uh Tywin. Oh, I love Tywin. I want to be Tywin. But uh, that's, that's for another day. Uh, so yeah, Game of Thrones a great game as well, purely because I won. So uh, yeah, that, those
3: are my picks.
0: Cool. How about you, Chris? Some other games from the table?
3: Yeah, um, like Ben, Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride Europe, actually, is my is my cup of tea. Um, that was my first modern board game, and it's a game that um, I love to play a lot. Um... And um, I recently, like super recently, like at the weekend, played Betrayal at the House on the Hill, um, which was really good. That's like a game for three to six players, I think, where you are basically in this haunted house and you're drawing tiles basically off the top and and building up the haunted house as you explore, (coughs) uh, which was excellent. And then halfway through the game,
2: epic game. (laughs) <laughs> but you've played it, yeah? Oh I love it. Great game. Yeah,
3: and like halfway through you, you trigger an event, like all the way through as you're playing, you're you're rolling dice to see if you trigger the event. And when you finally trigger it, one of the players suddenly turns into basically an evil cultist who secretly lured <laughs> everyone else to the house to kill them. And um it was excellent. I really enjoyed it. So like it, it's a properly a game of two acts, because suddenly like one of the characters was actually chasing the rest of us around the house with Hellbats. It was mental. <laughs>
2: and the really um, nice thing about that game is that there's like 50 different events that happen, the haunts they're yes. called. Um, and so there's a lot of <laughs> Um And then also, one of my funniest facts about that game is that because you have the different tiles for the upstairs, middle, and downstairs, uh, yeah. there was a printing error in the first batch of them that they did, which I've got a copy of somewhere, I think, where an, one of the upstairs tiles was Underground Lake.
1: <laughs> oh, nice.
2: <laughs> So it's like you go into the attic and you find an underground. uh...
3: Yeah, amazing. (laughs) Great Um, game. Really good choice. And another game which is worth an honorable mention uh, um, John, you might either know this or like it because I know you're a fan of the Formula One. Um, It's a game called Formula D. And this is a great game. It's like the board, the game board is the Monaco Grand Prix circuit. And you can play, I think, up to 10 players and the way you basically just got to drive your car around the track but the way you do it is by rolling a dice which says how many squares you move and as you you start off with a with a four sided dice and you in, you change gears and as you change gears you get bigger and bigger dice um so obviously you can go further when you're in turn when you're in a higher gear but then when you get to the corners you need to slow down for the corners otherwise you crash out so you need to actually be changing your gears up and down and, and judging, you know, can I risk this on a 12-sided die, so do I need to change gear and come down to an 8? Um, really, really fun game, Formula D. Uh, quite complicated uh, because you can before. do things it like trash great. your wheels as you go going around corners and things. So, <laughs> um, But, yeah, fun. I like that. That's, That's uh, pretty cool to mentions. hear a recommendation for that because
0: it's the sort of thing I can always definitely convince Becky, my wife, to play because she's a massive Formula 1 fan. So.
3: Yeah, um, it's a lot of fun actually. Um, I've I've not played it with two. I've played it with four, uh, mm-hmm. so I don't know how well it would work as a two-player game. But um, certainly with four, it was great fun. Cool. I suppose you could have a couple of cars each.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not too long to play.
3: Yeah. No. No. It was maybe an hour. It was. It was pretty good. Cool. Um, right. So I'm going to uh,
0: kind of whip through my honourable mentions and then. Uh... So first up was a game I've only really played it once, and it was. The sort of length of game that Ben would like because you get many bottles of wine in. Um but it was called Twilight Struggle and it's uh basically Anything to do with Twilight? N- it's the Cold War. Um and it sounds you... preferable. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yes, there's no sparkly vampires.
2: Would you rather be at Detente with the Russians and the lovely <laughs> railways? Or would you be looking at sparkly vampires?
0: Hmm. <laughs> But what's interesting about uh, Twilight Struggle is it's it is only a two-player game, Um, and it goes through the the phases of the Cold War from like nineteen forty-five to nineteen ninety or whatever. Um, And you kind of you it's it's more about the politics than than the war, as it were. So you end up trying to decide where you're going to put your your sort of supporters, and then there's a space race track and a whole bunch of other things that you can kind of invest into. Uh, and uh, a lot of the game is driven by cards as well. So you can. I'm trying to remember, it's a long time ago to play, but it was a very good game. Very, very deep, and, um, but a lot of fun. So if you happen to just have six hours to spare, probably plus two more to learn it if, you, if you're buying it online, um, then it's actually a really, really good 1v1 game. Uh, another game which is. This fits into the themed up, and I love the artwork, sort of box, but this is uh, called Rex. Final Days of an Empire, and it's basically Dune. The right. yes, Dune to sort of TV, uh, book, and film, etc. Uh, they couldn't actually. I think they maybe made a Dune game, but didn't have the license to make another one. So it's kind of in spirit Dune, but not actually Dune. But it's um, it's a game which you can have up to five or six players, but each player has a completely different role. I guess it's like a special ability but they're completely different so for instance one race is in control of uh, the board is like a massive set of provinces like different areas and you can move your guys around um, and you can win the game in alliances which there are official rules for so you, you have to hold certain numbers of points to win the game but if there's two in an alliance you win the game together if you hold more points but fewer together so like you have to hold i think three out of five special zones to win on your own but if you're aligned to two you only have to hold you have to hold four of them but obviously you have two players but yeah so one player might have all the economy and whenever you buy anything the money actually goes to that player um and somebody else might hold all the influence so whenever you sort of play special cards which pass influence around it all goes to that certain player and then another guy can basically have loads of troops for free because that's their thing so it's a very, every every person plays a part in the game's economy but has their own very unique position to play uh, which makes alliances really important and powerful but then you might backstab someone and then there's a betrayal mechanic at the end so you might win as a, as a pair but then there is like a last minute way of winning on your own so you, you never quite know if you're going to be betrayed by someone but that's, it's really fun, but it's also a very long game. I think our first session took six hours with like five of us. Um, but that's Rex, Final Days of an Empire, and that's pretty cool. And then just two more that I'm going to gonna work through quickly. We've started playing the Pathfinder adventure card game, which is an attempt, I guess, at having an RPG-like experience uh, using cards. So we've been playing six adventures so far. And each one is played against a number of decks of cards so basically you buy 500 cards when you buy the game um, <clears throat> and then you set up decks at the beginning of a session and you have to try and find the villain who is in one of the five decks or his henchmen who are in the other decks and you kind of take it in turns go through these decks have events happen to you and see if you can beat it together but it's completely cooperative you play against the board and then, if you win the quest, you might unlock a new skill. So, and, and you get to keep all the cool equipment you find. But it's, it's kind of nice because we want to do some RPG, I guess, ideally. But we don't have time. So we can play this in an hour, hour and a half after work. We'll have a good laugh, get a bit of character progression, go through a story. Kind of fun. Uh, and that's the Pathfinder Adventure Card game. And uh, last but not least, I just mentioned Dust Tactics, which is a. I haven't played miniature board games since Warhammer when I was a kid, and some guys at work play a game called Dust, and it's uh, I think it's basically if World War Two never ended. <laughs> so it's called futuristic, and the Germans have got all these zombies, and then all the Allied forces have got these mechs and things. Because
2: uh, if the Germans had won, there would be zombies. <laughs> pretty much, yeah.
0: I think I think it's the Germans. I say zombies. I think they're like gorillas. They're trained up to fight. Uh, it's Sounds a a very
2: Red Alert two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got I guess like it's... sharks with lasers and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they it's... had like a squid in Red Alert two that you could <laughs> like diffuse bombs or something. It's a crazy game.
0: Sorry. <laughs> no, no it's, it's spot on. It's definitely this sort of feel with this uh, mechanized gorillas and things. Weird. <laughs> <Just leaders. laughs> uh, and it's just quite it's just fun. You can play a game in a couple of hours. Uh, you can kind of play it light or heavy on the, the grid or with a proper you know, ruler and play with the measurements. The figures are really nice. And, yeah, it's quite a satisfying game to play. FFG, so it all looks gorgeous. And again, zombies and gorillas.
2: So, what you well, want in a game, really. What can go wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um, one last thing to talk about before we wrap up the board games. And I know that we're all fairly average users of our tablet. So I thought maybe it would be worth just mentioning whether we play any board games on our tablet. Especially, if it's one of my favourites. It's Mega
2: Cross. Yeah, um, I only play two board games on my iPad. In fact, was well, a lie. I've played a few. Um, I used to quite like Risk on the iPad because they had a single-player version, which was quite fun. Because I love Risk, but no one ever wants to play it with me. <laughs> it's,
3: it's so quick as well, the iPad one. Yeah, it's, it is. It's a, it's a complete lie because you can play a full game of Risk in about half an hour. Yeah,
2: <laughs> which is nice sometimes. I, I enjoy that. Like on. A on a long plane flight or something it's a little bit of risk um carcassonne is a brilliant uh, transition from board game to ipad game really really nice uh, another one that i love to play on flights especially long flights <laughs> um, and they've got ai versions or they have uh, you can play locally with someone else um, with the ai as well so that's uh, really nice, and they've got all the expansions on there as well. Because Carcassonne has just so many expansion packs. Some of them are ridiculous when you start getting to like dragons and like portals and stuff. Yeah, nice, it's bizarre the amount of stuff they have in Carcassonne. Uh, but that's <laughs> a, a beautifully made rendition. Probably the best board game to iPad transition I've seen. Uh, and then Ticket to Ride uh, is again a very very good board game transition um i've not actually tried it recently i think it would be much better on the ipad pro
3: than it was on the ipad uh, it's recently because... had a massive update so they might oh, have really? um, yeah they might have made it more compatible i'm not sure even just having the extra
2: pixels just to spread out the map a bit just because it is a little just a little bit too small i find on the ipad screen um but again that's a very very good transition uh how they've done that i think they've got ai in there as well uh or you can play locally with someone um good quick games Uh, i wouldn't want to play anything too complicated on uh uh, on an ipad um but similarly there are simple games like uh, exploding kittens has just come out with an ios game which is only for iphone uh, and it's (laughs) only local player um and i'm like uh, i wouldn't bother with that and like flux has an iphone app and it's like eh. you know, i'd rather just play with the cards because they're the same size what i want in an ipad game is something big like ticket to ride or carcassonne that you can't take on a plane a game mm-hmm. of flux or exploding kittens i can take with me in a bag but i'm not going to bust out ticket to ride uh on the middle of a flight <laughs> so um yeah those, those would be my two picks um one that i would love to see I, love to see uh, just because the the bit that takes so long in 1861 is at the Mm. end when you've got so much track laid and you're trying to work out (laughs) the most efficient way to get from one point to another and make the most money and people will help you you'll be there and everyone will be trying to work out for you what's the most amount of money to make because that's sort of like one of the rules of the game is that you should always help other Mm. people in like their decisions and so on um is I always thought how cool it would be to have a Microsoft Surface like the original Surface, mm, like the, the table, table, yeah, and have like the hexagonal tiles with RFID chips, so that it could know the route, <laughs> so that you could literally just go, "What's the best route?" and it would go, Bla-dum. there you go. Because to be honest, four hours of 1861 is that part, and at that part, after I have finished a bottle and a half of wine, I am ready to go to sleep. So <laughs> that, that is the worst part because I I don't care. For the difference in 10 rubles, uh, but other people do. Uh, But yeah, Ticket to Ride in Carcassonne for iPad for me.
0: I uh, I really like playing. I like playing board games on the iPad, but something about it doesn't
2: always work. Um... The issue that I have with it is very much like reading magazines on an iPad in that they tend to be very quick, cheap ports. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I would rather play iPad games on my iPad or, you know video games that are optimized for touch and uh, things like Faster Than Light or Alto's Adventure or something like that, something like that is a a mobile game, rather than trying to force a board game into an iPad. Um, Because whilst that is useful sometimes, a lot of the time the reason I like board games is because they're physical in the same way that I like to read physical books or physical magazines. And I don't think a lot of them have got that right.
0: No, I I think um, a lot of the I like the fact that they can make the games go very quick. I like the fact that you can... I think the time I most often play a board game on my iPad is when I've played something in real life and I kind of want to play it more. Um, Because it feels like the perfect platform for digital versions of board games. Um, But yeah, it's something... I'm not that drawn to playing them on there. But that said, it's the only place that I've played Ticket to Ride so far, which I really like, but I want to play it in real life, but haven't... I've got a copy, but I haven't convinced anyone to play it
3: yet. I'll play it. I'll play with you. <laughs> Maybe
0: we can set up the game online. We need to go to Sweden. Almost Chris. definitely. That's do what I'm hearing. Yeah. Or, or you, you guys can play on
3: uh, you can play it on Steam, I think.
0: Hmm. Oh, cool. Or you guys you just get on a flight in. I'll provide the alcohol and, yeah. and the board games.
3: Ironically so- the
2: alcohol in Sweden is more expensive than the flight to Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if I'm going.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be it'll be limitless. Uh, but yeah, so Ticket to Ride is actually quite a good game to play on my iPad, as well as Carcassonne and Settlers of Catan, because they're, you know, classics. Uh, one game I think I want to really just mention, and it's a really cool board game. played it two or three years ago, so it's a bit fuzzy in my head, but I remember picking up the iPad app afterwards, and it's called uh, Clip, Eclipse, uh, New Dawn for the Galaxy, and it's a. Uh, it's kind of a four X game set in space, you know, you explore and expand and then exterminate at the end. Uh where you ex- explore these tiles and things. But the iPad rendition is superb. Um, you can tell they put a lot of effort in and it really shows. And I think while I first played it on the tabletop and then played it on iPad afterwards, I think you could probably learn the game from the iPad, which is a rare thing
2: I have an honourable mention for uh, Seven Wonders as well, which is a board game I don't actually like, Um, but the iPad transition was very good and one of the nice touches they added was an extra wonder of the world, which was the Apple, the new campus the spaceship style circular one Uh, and that was four years ago when they bought that (laughs) iPad and they did it based on the mock-ups, I thought that was pretty cool, but I I don't like Seven Wonders as a game, Uh, (laughs) but it probably deserves an honourable mention
0: you just met, reminded me somehow of, of the, the one last game that I need to mention, and that is Warhammer Quest on the iPad. Yeah, it's so good. While Radio Games trying to make too much money out of it by selling off the character separately, just buy the core pack and play it through with the four base characters. It's really good. Um,
3: yeah. No, that game is excellent on the iPad. Um, you know what else is really good on iPad? Um, apart from Ticket to Ride, which you've all mentioned, which is amazing, <laughs> but is um, Pandemic. Oh. Uh, which is a game that I would love to play, the board game edition, but um, A, I don't think it would work as a two player game, and B, I'm not entirely sure my wife would enjoy it. Um, <laughs> it's, an, it's very complicated. Um, the iPad version is really good. Um, I've been looking for one for ages, which is how I came across Plague Inc., which is a totally mm. different bot. Yes. Cat the Fish. Yeah, I love Um Inc. But then finally, there is an iPad version of, of Pandemic now, and it's really good. Um, I'm aware that we're, we've been chugging on for a while, so just briefly mention there are a couple of games which I do play on my iPad. I play Small World on my iPad,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, which game. is 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 kind of good. I'm not sure how well it ports to iPad. I haven't played it physically. The physical uh, game is
2: better of Small yeah, World. Yeah, I can imagine. I think it's a size issue more than anything. Yes. the map yes. is quite big. Yes, might um, might be better on uh, the iPad yeah. Pro.
3: And um, I have to say, I, I really like playing Magic: The Gathering on the iPad as well. Really enjoy mm. that. Yeah. Um, although the the latest version doesn't work on my iPad or my iPhone, so uh, so that's how well they think of me as a customer. That's what you get
0: for
2: <laughs> updating
3: through
0: iTunes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really cool. So um, I think that's I think we have hit board games pretty well and truly hard this evening. So if you like the show, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Uh, We'll make a special exception this week. Feel free to leave a review in any language that we can Google Translate back to English. Um, Check out other episodes by going to thedivide.co.uk and obviously follow us on Twitter to hear when new episodes come out at Podcast Divide. So the next show will be on the 16th of March. And thank you ever so much for listening.
3: Smashing. Cheers. Go and watch Deadpool.